you will pray with me and for me. I'll be praying with you and for you, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Sound like a deal? Let's see if you're awake. Oh, Ernie. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. Truly, what a beautiful day. God, I pray that, um, man, that every single person that's in here would understand that you've, you've brought them a divine appointment, that they may think they're here for another purpose, another reason, um, but whether it's just today or that's the beginning of something else where this becomes a home of sorts, that you have them here for a purpose and a reason today. And Lord, I ask that, uh, I don't know what that is, but I do ask that you would meet them there, and I pray that they would be sensitive and open um, to your Spirit's prompting. And Father, I ask uh, also that you would, I just have just the hard hearts, Lord, if there's any in here that have just by, by life, um, stress and hurts and, and bitterness sometimes, Lord, that you would melt those away so that they can hear about how much you love them and that you have more for them. And Father, I pray, I just, I'm so aware this week of how unworthy I am um, to even be in your home on my own merit. And I'm just so thankful uh, for Jesus. And I'm so thankful, Father, for this opportunity you've given me to even discuss your word. And I pray that you would help me to preach it well um, and that I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jesus name. This is a call to all the men. It's time for men to stand up. Because by now we ought to be tired of sitting down. It's time for us to take our place. It's time for us as men to rule our individual gardens that God has placed us in by his grace. God has not created us and called us into the game of life as men to remain passive sitting on the bench. God has called us for greatness. He has called us to be great and godly fathers, great and godly husbands, great and godly students and co-workers. He has not called us to be satisfied with being dim lights, but rather bright lights that draw the attention of the culture. Could it be that our culture is devolving because men are complaining, but not willing to be involved? Could it be that our marriages are failing because men are demanding submission from their wives, but not willing to submit to God? Could it be that our young people are lost because men are siring kids but not taking the responsibility of raising them? Could it be that our churches are failing because men are sitting in church but not willing to serve the church? Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He said, act like a man. This means that you can be a male that has never come around to becoming the man that God has called you to be. We no longer need to be spending our time worrying about and fighting about what's going on in the White House when we're struggling just to get men to stay and lead in their house. God is calling the men, and he's calling you right now to be his man. This doesn't mean pride, but it does mean humility. This doesn't mean breaking hearts, but it does mean mending them. This doesn't mean domineering, but it does mean servanthood. It certainly doesn't mean leave, but it does mean stay. This doesn't mean selfishness, but it does mean sacrifice. It doesn't mean giving up, but it certainly means greatness. And whenever we can find these men, we can experience change. Change in our personal lives, change in our family's life, change in our church, and most of all, in our culture. God is looking for righteous men, and he's looking for righteous men to stand up in a generation that has forsaken righteousness. So God is asking a simple question. 
the question. And the question is... Where are all the men? Welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. Um, typically when I talk or you go to any sort of message about manhood or masculinity, and this will be more than that. This is the beginning of a new series I'll talk about. Uh, probably four to five weeks, so I encourage you to come back. Um, I feel pretty excited about this. <clears throat> but whenever you do that, guys, what tends to happen is in the crowd, a lot of you get angry. And you get angry because you're hearing truth that you don't want to hear. And if you find yourself saying things like, who are you to say that to me? I'm nobody. I'm right there with you. But that doesn't, even if I'm the worst guy in the world, it doesn't change the fact that you're probably not measuring up to who God's called you to be either. And the reality is, so most of the time, half of you get angry, and then half of you want to point out and try to find all the ways that we're matching and measuring up, instead of looking for the things that God is asking us to give up to become exactly who he's called us to be. Listen, we're experiencing a trying time for manhood in America and the world, and I struggle to even talk about this topic because it is so popular in the church. It is. But see, uh, and I borrow from, from this man. He, he has a different quote, but I'm going to take half of it. See, the problem is we hear all about being a godly man, but we don't see it. We talk all about men leading in the church and in their homes, and there's books about it, but we don't see it. Now, ladies, don't worry, we have a portion for you, too, because the reality is, because God made us wives, he said a man is not uh, meant to be alone, right? He said that I will make for him a help meet. Well, that means that you can either help him meet his God-given role, or you can make it harder on him. So, some, so please don't make the mistake, ladies, of taking this as a checklist to take home and see where he measures up, because you'd be missing the point. We're experiencing a trying time in manhood in America and the world. I'm going to focus a bit on America first. I love stats. Anyone else like stats? I don't like math, but I like stats. I hate math, but statistics are fascinating to me. On any given Sunday, there are 13 million more adult women than men in American churches. Is that not a lot? 13 million more. This Sunday, almost 25% of married church, that's a fourth, church-going women will worship without their husbands. More than 90% this is of American men believe in God, and five out of six call themselves Christian, but only two out of six attend church on a given Sunday. The average man accepts the reality of Jesus Christ, but fails to see any value in going to his church. Fewer than 1% of church-going men participate in any sort of ongoing men's ministry program. Do you know why, men? Because you don't want to be called out. We don't like it. As many as 70% of men have actively sought out pornography this year. 70%. As many Christians, and you've heard this statistic, as non-Christians will divorce this year. 33% of the 72 million children, this makes me cry, 33% of the 72 million children in America will go to bed without their biological father in the home or having them with them. And I have a, that was an older one. I have a, a newer stat at the bottom of this. In fact, I'll just jump to it now. 70%, that's assuming that their father's around. Like, right? You know how stats are. Like he, 70% of African-American homes and 40% and rising of Anglo homes, that's how they say it, have no fathers. 
Fatherless children are five times as likely to live in poverty, repeat a grade, and have emotional problems. 26% of absentee fathers live in a different state than their children. And 92.9% of prison inmates are men. Listen to that. 93% of everybody in prison are men. And we accept that until you actually think of how staggering that is. That out of 100 people of all gender, in a, in a prison, 93 of them are men. What's the issue? And it's not, this isn't just a non-Christian issue, which is why I brought up um, the stats about church. This is a man issue. Because regardless of anyone in this room or the world believes in a creator in God, God created men. He created them. In fact, the church is created, see, we, we tend to think, well, the world is doing that, and they are, and we'll get to that. The world has, has caused the problem with manhood in America, with boys, because boys become men. And the way that we treat boys, and the way we, women, the way you show these boys, your interactions with your husbands has an effect on them, with their fathers. But the truth is, the church has just as much created an issue with this. Because while the world has created a caricature of what a man is, the church has also created and idolized a version of manhood that is oftentimes not consistent nor reflective of the biblical definition of manhood. When niceness trumps leadership, there's a problem. When it's idolized more for a man to be gentle and nice than to lead. When strength is always equated with violence. If a man is strong, then he is violent. He is toxic. When we try to paint masculinity with femininity, we end up with something different. So you both the world and sometimes the church's issue with manhood revolve around one simple fact. I believe this fully. We have given up our God-given birthright. The kingdoms don't have any kings. The throne room in these individual kingdoms of your family and your jobs, and all of it sits empty. Some of you don't care because you've chosen a life of simplicity, but it doesn't matter if you don't care because when a man gives up his God-given birthright, it affects everyone in the kingdom. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk, men, specifically the first few, about how to live a life that's fulfilling because when we give up that birthright, you're going to look for something else to give you purpose. Drugs and sex and identities that don't ever last. Because you have to have a role, right? Listen to me. You have to have a role. Everyone in this room, men, you choose a role. Just most of us don't choose to be a king. Todd, I thought Jesus was king. We'll get to that. Relax. He is. In fact, he's got a different name. He's called the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. We need to talk about how to live a life that's fulfilling and how to be the men, husbands, fathers, friends, and leaders God has intended you and me to be. Well, I don't feel that way. It doesn't matter what you feel. That's your role. And when you don't step into it, either it, the throne sits empty or someone else sits on it. Single men, we're going to also encourage you to look for a queen, not just a warm body. I'm going to say that again. We're going to encourage you to look for a queen and not just a warm body. 
What is a queen? We'll talk about that. Because she's made for more too. Women, you're made for more. Married men, how do you call out the queen in your wife? Because if you're, make her, if you're making her sit on the throne or letting her, then she doesn't get to be a queen because she has to play king. Single women, how do you find the man that's more than a pretender? That's more than handsome and charming, right? That has substance to him. Married women, how do you help your man be the man he should be? And how do you become the woman your heart desires and God desires? Because you can come into this, each one, each person, and you can get angry at me, at the Bible, at God, or you can get angry at your own sin and your own idolatry, for lack of a better word, the things that you've chosen to feel safe and needed and used, but you don't understand. I love that video because it said you were made for greatness. That's true. So that's, that's the plan over the next several weeks. But today I want to give a bit of overview of what I'm talking about. So if you're a real person and you like to plan, I talked to some of you so you're worried about what's coming. I'm not going to tell you every week. But the gist of it is we're going to talk today about what the role is. I didn't make that up. We have a role, men. And then we're going to talk about the masks that we put on when we decide not to be the king. Because you still need a role. I like to envision it as a, as a, as a royal court. I'm a nerd. In my office, there are swords hanging on the wall. So I should tell you something. When you look at a royal court, if you want to look this up, there's different positions. There were people that desired to be in court. Did you know that? Right? They want to be close to the king. And so there are these different roles within the court, right? You have your man at arms, and you have the butler, and you have the jester, right? You have all these things. See, sometimes we'd rather choose a role in court that's easier than it is to carry the weight of the crown, to rule in the name of the real king. We're going to talk about those. So I want to start with Genesis 1.26. His main focus, 27 will be on here too, but Genesis 1, chapter, um, chapter 1, verse 26. This is in the beginning. God created everything, right? He created everything. It'll be up here for you. My version, I'm reading from the HCSB. What is that? It's like the ESV. If you aren't interested in any of those letters, then it doesn't matter. If you are, then you understand what that meant. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Co-rulers, right? They were image bearers. I love the actual translation of the word. You guys, if you're a remnant attendee, uh, regular, you'll know I love that word. I love the idea of an image bearer. I bear the image of my Father. You bear the image of your God, whether you want to or not. I don't believe Him, so what? That's like a son that looks just like his dad. He's like, I don't like my dad. Okay, you still look like him. Right? It's who you are. You look like your Father. You are made to look like Him. You are made to be like Him. You bear His image, whether you pretend it's there or not. And I love this. You ready? Well, what's the first? He, he says the reason right here. One, two things. You will bear my image and you will rule in my name. You will rule the fish, the sea, the birds, the sky, the livestock, all the, all the earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. That's pretty self-explanatory. You will rule this place in my name. Listen, men were made to rule the land. They were made to be a king and they were made to be in obedience to the king of kings. That's it. That's why I love 
Well, one of the many reasons. Anyone like Chronicles of Narnia? I'm the only one. Four people. Cool. Well, then you know, right? The king. You got Aslan, and then you got High King, and then you got the kings, right? I love that idea because at the end of the day, the kings, right? Even High King Peter, when Aslan came roaring, they all bowed down. They rule in his name. That's what we were made to do. Guys, that's it. That is your God-given role. You can't change it. You don't don't have to like it, but that's what you were made to do and made to be. Now stay with me. I'm going to paint another picture. So then God gives them the second part of their job. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Okay? I'm going to make you rule, and I'm going to put you where you're going to rule. He was made, you and I are made to, this is in quotes here, I can't do air quotes, tend the garden. What's the garden? The garden is what God has given you. If you have a wife and you have a family, that's your garden. You are to tend it and take care of it and take care of her and provide for her and provide for your children. Her role is not to provide for you. Her role is not to tend you. Take care of the garden, I'm sorry, take care of the kingdom and provide and tend his garden. Because I love this because God could have said rule in my name, right? Just rule in my name. Well, there's tyrants. Hitler ruled something. Then he says tend, right, place it in the garden to work it and watch over it. You're going to have to take care of it. Working it means take care of it. It doesn't mean sitting there and eating bonbons and Cheetos and letting everything grow crazy. It means you've got to do work to make sure the garden is what it's supposed to be. Man, you ready? If you're not working at your home, not just at work, you're not tending the garden. Now, listen, tending the garden includes your work. You need to be a man there too. Are you tending the garden? Because that's the role. Rule the kingdom, tend the garden. Any one of those two without the other is not what God has made you to do. Well, Todd, I found a loophole in your, um, in your teaching. Because I noticed in the first verse it said it made um, man and woman in your image. Hmm, I, that implication to me is that they are co-equal rulers. That's true. They do rule. But I'm going to get you right here. You ready? 1 Corinthians 11.3. Ladies, I'm sorry. This is the part where you get mad at me. 1 Corinthians 11.3. No one talks about this a lot. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man. King of kings is the king of the king. And the man is the head of the woman. Oh, man. And God is the head of Christ. So within this co-rulership, God has created an order. Why? Because God is a God of order. Now before you say, Todd, that isn't fair, go tell the CEO at your company that you want to be equal with them and tell them what to do, and that way the company will run right. At the end of the day, we have organization for a reason. We know it inherently. We just don't want to be told that someone is above us because we look at things that way, right? If, if man is the head is the head of the woman, well, that means he is above her, more valuable than her. I'm going to mess with you. Now, Christ is the head of the church. What is the church made up of? The church is made up of us. What does Scripture say about us? We are co-heirs with Christ. So we are co-heirs with him in the sense that because what Jesus gave to us, we have his benefits. However, he is still the king. He is the one that directs us, leads us, guides us. That's it. He's also the one that sacrifices for us. We are completely equal, but we have separate roles. 
Ladies, don't be mad that God didn't tell you to do something you weren't made to do. We don't take cocker spaniels and make them war dogs. And one of you is going to go look this up and tell me there's a cocker spaniel. Well, fine, chihuahua, whatever you want, right? If you want a nice, mean guard dog to defend your valuables, we're not taking a chihuahua, one of those little fluffy, one of those little panda dogs, right? I don't know what they're called, shih tzu, whatever. And we don't put them out there, right? We don't put a spike collar on them and tell them to go do a role they're not meant to do. That isn't who you're meant to be, and that's okay. You have been lied to, women, and I'll get to that later. You have been lied to. You have been told that your natural desires are wrong, that your desires to be cared for, taken care of, treasured, makes you weak. It's all part of the world's system to destroy the order with which God made things. Because if he can make you believe that being beautiful is weak or being tender is bad, then the enemy has already started, right? He's tearing the foundation of our families. And before you say, is it, is it working? Did you hear the stats? So how does this play out today? Men, if Christ is the head of every man, the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ, you are to lead, you are to carry weight. I say it, the, I, I call it the remnants uh, definition of leadership. If you end up going through our leadership class, you'll know. But really, I'm just saying that so I don't offend people. I think it's real leadership. Real leadership involves carrying weight. If you carry no weight, you're not leading. You're not. See, everybody likes the way the crown looks on their head, but they don't want the crown when it comes to making hard decisions, right? Some of you don't want to make the decision between Taco Bell and McDonald's when your wife asks. How hard is it? Just pick one. Not you, ladies. I get it. You've already had to make 100 decisions. Can't you just pick a place? Right? Lead, carry weight. Where? Home and in the church. Do you hear the stats? I want to bring up another verse he referenced in all of this because I think it's important as we kind of start this series. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. You want to know something neat and actually really creepy? You know, any NIV people in here? Yeah. Your version doesn't say act like a man. It says be courageous. Ooh. I find that interesting for two reasons. One, I find it interesting that they don't want to put it in there the way it was written. Act like men. Who are they talking to? It's because he was talking to the leaders of the church at that time. So he's telling those leaders to act like men. Why would we take that out? But the second thing is, and I kind of turn it around and make it good. When they think of a man, they think of courage. Right? So even when they try to redefine it, you can't because it is what it is. That is what men are. We know it whether we want to admit it or not. We are meant to be that. How do we know? Because the perfect man was courageous. This verse shows us a crucial truth. Listen to me. You can be born male but not be a man. What do I mean by that? I know. I'm talking a lot. Stay with me. It means that you can be born a male but not be acting like a man. Let's use logic. Why would Paul tell them to act like men if being a male meant you acted like a man naturally? He wouldn't. He's telling them because it's easy. Even back then, people's, the men would forget. Or that pretty girl beside you, right? No offense, ladies, but you can't tell if you're a beautiful Cocker Spaniel, a Doberman, how to be a Doberman. Sorry. There's a quote, rap. I like rap music, right? 
Christian rap has caught up with secular and passed it, in my opinion, for the first time in a long time in the last, what, probably 10 years, you think? Five, 10 years? It's incredible. It's really impressive. As a side note for some of you, you're like, <gasps> rap. It's an incredible thing to be able to use spoken poetry and rhyme words to a beat without cursing. That takes talent. Anyway, one of my favorite lines from a song called Man Up says, being a man got nothing to do with age. You can be a boy to the day you lay in your grave. So we know our purpose. We're going to go into this more in the weeks ahead. There's the hook. How do we do that? Well, come see. But today I want to talk about the fact that I want to talk about the roles that you and I have taken. You see, when we took the crown off and put it on the ground and left that throne empty, we decided to put other masks on because we knew that we needed something. Without that crown, we realized that we didn't have a purpose, that we left behind what God gave us. That's why you cover with alcohol and video games, and sports, and all the other things. And that's why you get mad at your wives when she calls you out on it, because you know she's right. Because it's not her that makes you feel bad about not being a man. That's not. It's what's inside of you. You know it. Some of you guys, even in our church, that I know well, I watch your wives so horribly depressed weighed down, and you think because they've stopped fighting that they're happy, when you have beat them into submission, if not with your fist and with your lack of words or with your words, you beat them into submission. It's not submission, though. Submission's voluntary. You beat them into slavery. And you wonder why she seems distant. You wonder why she seems cold and not alive, and that's exactly why. And you know right now in your head, those of you that want to fight me, you know exactly who I'm talking to. That's you. So the masks of men, that's what I call it, that's neat, huh? That'd be a good chapter. The masks of men. So what are some of the roles? We're going to go role by role. I'm going to tell you what these guys are. And guess what, guys? Most of the time, we wear one main mask. This is your mask. We'll rotate through them. But, and clearly, I think there's more, but I, I, I've sort of, um, I've, I've broken them down to the common denominators here. Math, twice in one day. Right, and so you guys can see. So we're going to start with the first mask is the jester. The jester. See, some of you are the jester. And you think because you're popular that people respect you. So what's the jester? The jester is the funny guy. He's the entertainer. He is everything is a joke. Everything, all the time. If you've ever been around the jester, he's fun for about an hour, two hours, about three, hour number three, you're like, oh. By the way, sarcasm plays in this. Oh, now I got a lot of jesters like, okay, that's me. I'm that jester. Right? Everything's a joke. Can't be serious unless it's part of the act. See, the thing I like, I'm a nerd. I told you medieval jesters weren't just funny people. They, they were musicians, and they told jokes, and they danced around, and they, uh, they did, told stories, and all of those kinds of things. And you know what? They would be serious when it's part of the act. He takes his identity from entertaining people. Is that you? If you're not entertaining, if people aren't laughing, then you're angry. If people aren't laughing, then you're doing something wrong. If people aren't laughing, if people aren't hanging on every word you say, you're upset. These guys are not reliable. And in fact, it's, they're, they're kind of funny because they can slip through without us ever putting weight on them. Because they're like, oh, that's the funny guy. We don't give him anything serious. And he's like, Whew. right? 
Now, I want to say this. Each of these masks, and we'll get to this in a second. It's not, it's, there's a time and a place to be, to be funny and to laugh. God gave us these things. So it's not wrong. It's when it, you make it your whole identity. Anybody know a jester? Raise your hand. Five people. Yeah, you know them. <laughs> they are fun, ladies. When you find you a jester, they're so fun. They are so fun. Oh, until you need something actually done. Until you need something until you need someone to come through, until you need someone to fight, until you need someone to carry weight, until you need someone to make a decision, then the jester's not so fun, and then you complain. Well, don't choose a jester. The jester's self-worth is tied to how much notice he gets from the crowd. How do you notice if a jester's good at his job? Who watches? How many, how many people come to the crowd? I went to a renaissance fair last year, and I saw an actual guy that was a jester, and he wanted me to us to give him money, which he doesn't tell you till the end, because um, then you feel bad, because he did like a 15-minute skit in front of you. Anyway, the point is, that's, that made me really realize, like, you could tell who the, who the ones that were good at it were, right? Like, the guy who came, those of who went with me, he was pretty good, because he made us stay there forever. There were others that weren't. It's always about him and what he brings. If you're the jester, it's always about you. This can be the musician, too. I'm an artist. I'm working on my new song. I don't have time to work a job. I got too much. I'm working on my new song, my love song. Let me play it for you. Right? Ladies, you're a sucker for that, too. He plays one chord. <laughs> it rhymes the word love and dove, and you're like, oh. <laughs> love is like a dove. Yeah, see, I just did it. I just did it. It can be the musician, it can be the artist. Art and music are beautiful things, but it's not your role. It's, it can be what you do, but it's not your role. It's, a, it's always, you can always notice him because it's about, he gets upset when he doesn't get attention. He knows he's doing well if he gets applause, and it's always about him and what he brings his gift. He always talks about it. I'm different, man. Right? I'm different, man. I'm about, I was smoking. I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> some of, there's, I wish sometimes I could tape some of your faces because you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. The jester. Are you the jester? God may have given you a gift to entertain. Those are beautiful things, but you were still made to be a king. Number two, the mercenary. You know what a mercenary is? Anyone want to admit they don't know what it is? Cool, I don't blame you. Oh, Austin, nice. Uh, why did I call you out? <laughs> That's why no one raises their hand. Anyway, uh, the mercenary. A mercenary is a soldier for hire. He's out for himself, right? You pay me, I'll do a job. The mercenary's the tough guy. He's the domineering, scary, threatening guy. He's the guy that when you're around, it feels like you're walking on eggshells. You know him when you've met him. He's very expressive, and he makes himself big, and he says... Hey, and he likes to point out and remind you how many times he's beat people up, right? Or, and beat people up doesn't necessarily mean physical. He tells you all the times, man, you should have seen me at work. I was like a shark, right? They're also the know-it-alls. They don't need anyone. They know it all. They don't need anything from you. They don't need anything from you. Just pay them their money. Give them what you owe them. You want something for them? Ask them. They have it all. They will succeed no matter who they have to step on. 
truth is mercenaries do real well in life. They become your CEOs. They become your uh, COOs. They become your letter people, right? Your GEOB, whatever. I don't it doesn't matter. Whatever you are, your VP of IT technology. Sorry, I know that's you, Tim, but that, you're not that. You're not that. <laughs> anyway, that's just what came to mind. Right? They do well because they do succeed. He's a warrior. These guys will come through. They will get the job done. They're kind of the opposite of the jester. They'll get the job done, but he only fights for himself and what's best for him at the end of the day. And when something's no longer beneficial to him, then he's done. Well, honey, you know, can we spend time together? I can't believe you asked me to do that. Don't you know how hard I work? Honey, maybe we shouldn't spend that money. Don't you tell me where we spend our money. Is that you guys? Some of you tough guys in here? What I've learned about tough guys, mercenaries, and I've talked to some of you about this, my guys in here know it. When you've got to talk about how many fights you've been in, I don't believe you've been in a lot of fights. I'm just being real because I've been with those guys. Those guys don't have to talk about it, okay? They don't. You get blustery. Your wives are scared all the time. If I see a wife that's timid and scared all the time, I automatically know you're a mercenary. Well, how can I tell that? Don't tell me you can't tell. Look around. Does she ever smile unless you give her permission? You don't have to physically abuse someone to beat somebody down. They're very fearful people a lot of times. Number three, I got to move. I'm running out of time. We got an actual important guest here today to talk, for real. <laughs> the gentlemen, see that? <laughs> I don't know why he's laughing. The gentlemen, right? Emphasis on gentle. He's the gentleman. That's how he says it, right? He's the nice guy. You ever met a nice guy? The nice guys um, can get stuff done. The nice guys sort of blend in the crowd. And the nice guys are what get idolized in the church. The nice guys always pleases everyone. Uh, the nice guy is gentle, kind. He never rocks the boat. By the way, gentle and kind, I put him in parentheses for a reason. Because he gives to get. See, they're just as angry as other people. I'll be nice and gentle to you, and my wife will naturally be nice and gentle to me, and then they wonder why that doesn't happen. By the way, nice and gentle, they have meant to say, I give whatever they want whenever they want it. That's not love. If I give to my wife or my significant other whatever she wants and please her all the time and never rock the boat, only because I don't want to deal with her, I don't want to rock the boat or I want her to make out with me later, whatever you want to call it, then am I actually doing it because I love her? It's selfish. You can love selfishly. He gives to get. He often looks like the perfect husband. Guys, these are the guys that drive me nuts. No offense, some of you. Okay, I'm not even married yet, but you automatically. And I know you, I know you. You, you are the one that we have to hear about when we go home. Well, Fred always... Always does what his wife wants. I know Fred does, but here's the thing. But his wife, when she goes home, she is tired, stressed, and passionless because she has to carry all the weight. I don't know, honey. What do you want to do? Honey, we need to pay this bill. Which one do you think we should pay? Whatever you want, dear. There's a time and a place for gentleness and love, and there's a time and a place to stand up and make decisions so that she doesn't have to. And to carry weight. Have you ever had to make a big decision? That's exhausting. It is. Taco Bell, Burger King, that's a hard decision. 
right? That's a good practice, by the way. Listen, I get it, guys. Sometimes you give her the choice because you know, like, hey, if I ask, because you really don't care. That's a little bit of me. This is how I do it. Listen, I don't care. I'll pick if you want me to because I know as soon as I pick, well, I didn't really want tacos, right? But that's not what we're talking about, but we can't be afraid of that, right? I call this guy the puppet king. He looks the part, but he's just a mouthpiece for the queen. Next, last but not least, ladies, you like this one. You don't like when he's called this, the playboy. That's Mr. Smooth. That's the womanizer. He looks good, smells good, and speaks well. Mm, that's a lot of wells and goods. Right? That, that's nice. That's a good package. I'm serious. He knows what to say. And see, the, 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 the playboy can be all the things for about 30 seconds. Oh, here's my song, Love and Dove. Right? Sure, babe, I'll take care of that for you. I'll go fight. Right? For 30 seconds until he gets the heat. And then once he gets what he really wants, it's adios. He leaves behind a trail of women. He gets his identity from the attention and adoration of women. He gets his identity from how many women he can get or how much he can control you, own you, use you, abuse you. They are sexual and charming. I meant that. If you met them, that's what they are. They are sexual. They're all about sex. They're the guys that... You know, date number one, they're already trying to slide over real close, get in there, start kissing, all that stuff, right? What's up, girl? The funny thing about this, ladies, is the reason the Playboy exists is because you like it. Because you keep thinking that he is the games that he plays. But he's not. And then you're confused. See, that's what you say when you're like, why am I always attracted to the bad boys? Right? Finally, there is, instead of a mask, we can wear the crown, and that's the king. The king follows and imitates the king of kings. The king can laugh like the jester. He can fight like the mercenary. He can really lead, unlike the puppet king. And he absolutely is sexual and charming and pursues one woman. You pursue her like the playboy pursues all the others. Let me tell you what a king does. He tends his garden and rules his kingdom. If you don't do that, you're not being a king, period. The king can use every single one of those masks as a tool in his toolbox. But that's not who he is. He doesn't have to be the center of attention, but he can be when he needs, right? He can make everyone, he can laugh and have fun. He can fight when it's necessary, but he fights for other people, not just for himself. He leads, which means he carries weight. He doesn't just put a, a crown on and say, that's enough. He carries the weight of the crown. And as I said, also men, I hear this all the time, a little bonus. We'll talk about it later. Man, my, and I'm so, you're in the adult room here, so I'm going to talk adult. Man, my wife does not give me sex enough. My first question now is like, are you just a guy that expects her to just show up? I'm serious. Because some of you do. That's not how it works. That's not what you should be doing. You should be pursuing her. You should be wooing her. Because you did at the beginning. Listen, she's going to come play some music today, and I want you to think about a few things. And I want you to come back next week and the week after and bring your friends, okay? I want you to listen, and I want you to take this serious, and I want men, 
Quit talking the talk. Every single one of you, even now, are sitting there going, yeah, that's me. No, you're not. You're not getting it. We are pathetic. We look pathetic half the time. Because you won't look in the mirror and own this. Here's the thing. If you're in Christ, even if you've put the crown on the throne, even if you let your wife sit there, even if you've forgotten what your purpose is, even if you've been wearing a mask for a long time, at any point, you can put that down and you can sit back and start fulfilling the God-given role that he's given you. Anytime. But in order to do that, you've got to be man enough to admit you're wearing a mask. If you spend all your time, it's like a clown looking in the mirror saying, I ain't wearing any makeup. Everybody sees it except you. And you can will everybody else around you not to, but it doesn't change the fact that they do. You have got to get back to giving and living, giving, serving and living out of the God-given role he's given you. Well, how do I know what that looks like? You only know that through a relationship with the king of kings. You can only learn how to be a king from the king. Are you acting like a king? Listen to me. Are you ruling your kingdom? You're, you're 16, 15, 14, you're in the room. You can practice now. Look to a man to lead you. Look to, you, look to a king to learn how to be a king. Start practicing now because I promise you this, in your schools, it's very rare. Are you acting like a king? Are you ruling your kingdom? Are you carrying weight? Are you tending your garden? Are you providing and taking care of and working? Some of you say, why can't I find a queen? Because a queen wants a king. And the truth is, that's what you were made to find. The reason you run from woman to woman to woman is because you're haunted by Eve. You're haunted by the woman that is what she is supposed to be. We'll talk about that too. Stop looking for warm bodies and start finding a queen. Women, start acting like it. Just, no, no, no. Before you know, I'll go tell my husband which mask he's wearing. That doesn't help. Do you inspire him? Maybe you've sat on the throne for a long time, and you like it. It's pretty comfy until life gets hard. Maybe it's time to step off. Maybe it's time to say, I'm going to sit that there, and you're either going to pick it up, or this kingdom's going to fall apart for a while. Not in a jerky way. Wait for him to move. Tell your husband that you're tired. Stop being afraid. Tell him that you want him to be who he's meant to be. Inspire him. Believe in him. But tell him that it hurts you. Tell him what's happening when he plays these roles. Tell him you're scared. Guys, which mask do you wear? Every one of us sometimes slips into it, guys. And I'm not here to condemn. I can tell you probably... I've probably worn all of them one time or another. And I've probably stayed in certain ones longer than others. But I don't want to be that, guys. I want to be who God's made me to be. When I watched that video, I almost got, I couldn't breathe from him because my adrenaline starts going, I want that. Don't you want that? Do you want to be a king? like he said, doesn't submit to God. Some of you manipulated women. Some of you I'm so angry with because you got a woman to marry you under the pretense that you were a Christian man and you don't act like it and you know that she wants to be a Christian woman so she'll continue to do the right thing which enables you to do the wrong thing and she'll never divorce you, right? 
To me, that's the lowest of the low. You might as well lock her up in a cage. You're meant for more, guys. But you got to be willing to admit where we're falling short. We got to create a culture that that points boys to being kings. We got to create a culture where the women don't have to, because sometimes they sit on the throne because they have children and they have to provide, and somebody's got to take care of business, and you're not doing it, and you're doing it on the pretense of loving her. You're letting her do that because you think that's loving her? Hey, you don't have to try to be a king. You have to stop trying to be all these other things. Be who you're meant to be. Ladies, let's create a culture in which kings are are looked at and rewarded and admired. A culture where in the church, we, instead of being intimidated by men, instead of feeling safe because we're in control, we let men step up and be what they're supposed to be, what you talk about in your women's group that you say you want, but your lives don't reflect it. When will you start actually inspiring your man instead of tearing him down? When? He's flawed and he knows it. Which mask do you wear, guys, and are today at this altar, this is altar time, are you willing to lay it down? I hope I see a hundred men today. There ain't even that many in here, but I hope I see however many are in here. The ones of you in here, there will be. Because <laughs> God moves when a man humbles himself. Stop hiding. Stop settling for this half-life safety when you know you're meant for more that's why you drink and you smoke and you cover all these things because at the end of the day you can't run from it your father made you that way you're meant to be it I know it's scary I know it is that's why he tells us I will not forsake you I will not leave you you are a son of the most high king you are a prince you are a co-heir with Christ you are a high priest you are a lion don't matter if you dress up like a poodle. You are what you are. Let's start living it. If you're in this room today and you've been wearing one of the masks and you're a believer, then it's okay. repentance means letting go of it and turning back to God. Ladies, if you're in this room and you know that your man has tried but you have destroyed it, repentance means, Lord, I'm done. I want my man to be the man he's supposed to be. I want to help him be a king. God, forgive me. You're already forgiven, but in that admission, right, if you're in Christ, in that submission, that's when he moves again. He can help you. When you let go of your desire to control it all, then God moves. I don't know, guys. This is the beginning of something. You want to change your families. You want to change your town. You want to change your city. You want to change your culture. You want to change your world. I promise you it can happen when we start being who we're meant to be in this room today and you say, listen, I've been running around. This is the only mask I know. What does it even mean to be an image bearer of God? Who's Jesus? What's this about? I thought that's the guy that just tells me I'm not good enough. That's part of it. Here's the gospel and the good news. God created everything. I just told you. And he made us to rule in his name. He said, you can do anything you want here. Just let me be the one to tell you what right and wrong is. That's what the, the tree was about. I will tell you what good and evil is. You don't You don't go there. And we decided, no, I'll be the one to determine what good and evil is. I'll be God. And when that happens, there was a separation between us. Sin entered the world. Sin is both a disease 
It's inside of us, couldn't fix it if we tried. And it's the symptoms that come out of that selfishness and greed and hate and all those bad things you do that cause you shame. And the thousands of years of human existence since that moment when God said, if you don't want to be with me, then I cannot be with you because a holy and good God cannot be with something that is not holy and good. He can't. It would affect him, right? So there had to be restoration. The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. We are guilty. We have broken the law. We have disobeyed. If we want to go home, someone has to pay that price. The sentence is death. Jesus Christ is God-made man, came down in the form of man. You don't have to understand it all, but understand this much. That's true. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He said he is the son of God. He said that I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He said that. So he is what? C.S. Lewis said it. He is a liar, a lunatic, or the son of God. If he is the son of God, then you have to respond to what he's saying. He showed us how to live, and then he died on a cross. You know that much, right? You've heard it. But on the cross, something incredible happened. This innocent man died so that you never have to. He took your sin. He took your place. The father turned his back on the son. He even said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, he carried the sin of the world, which means, here's the cool thing. It's a transaction. You give him your sin. He gives you his holiness. And then you are restored to the Father. He says you become a new creation. All your sins are forgiven. He will never let go of you. You'll be in heaven. You'll be changed. You'll be a new creation. All these things. The Bible, how do I do that, Todd? The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Period. You can leave today and know that. You don't, oh, I've got this struggle and this struggle. I don't care. I thought the same thing. Well, this guy told me that I couldn't come to church and I do drugs and I smoke and, I, and I'm stuck in this and I, God doesn't want me that way. Yes, it does. The Bible says... That in the midst of our sin, he saved us. So if you're in here today and don't know Jesus, don't leave without knowing him. There's people that will be up here willing to pray with you anytime. You can use this space as your altar. What's the altar? It's holy ground. That's what this place is. And it's an opportunity for you to respond to God in whatever way you want. Men, let's start being kings.